Hello everyone, uh, welcome to the Kingdom of God podcast. This is the fabulous freelance, well, free verse Friday edition because this is the spoken version of uh, the Kingdom of God podcast. And I am your host, King Sean, House of Dan Hand of Stephen, Kingdom of God, with some absolutely fabulous news for you today. Two things. Absolutely monumental in my universe, microcosm. My housing subsidy is officially approved. I will receive the letter of entitlement soon. That is the biggest news for me because that was the biggest concern for me. But even better still, the courts have determined that defense counsel can respond to my claim and file a motion in accordance with the rules of civil procedure. That means that uh, basically you're not supposed to... Well, you know what? I'll get into that and all the goodies in just a minute. This is just the intro to the show, but those are the things I'm going to be talking about today. It is a fabulous Freelance Friday edition because, yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is official. I have a standing statement of claim not thrown out by the courts as frivolous and vexatious on its face. And uh, I'll be talking about that for this fabulous Freelance Friday edition with the wonderful ambience of my patio once again because I am celebrating this fabulous day. So I hope you're doing well too. Stay right there. I'll be back in just a moment. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, yeah, in addition to having a, just a genuine fabulous Friday to begin with, uh, I have also recently downloaded the uh, Anchor app to my phone, and, you know, I am using that app. It is the main uh, way that I record my podcasts right now, so I don't really have any problems giving props to it. Uh, I really enjoy the phone app. I actually like it better than the, well, I don't want to say better than the, you know, uh, computer version or laptop version that I have, but it's it's very convenient for me because my phone has awesome recording capabilities like just sitting out here I could I could speak in a very normal voice and it'll pick it up like it'll pick up the sound of a pin dropping uh, it's fabulous so um, and I just think it it overall creates a slightly better recording quality uh, so <laughs> I'm having a lot of fun just kind of enjoying a Friday evening now I feel so much more stress-free, like, honestly, um, you know, I, I don't want to sound, like, too, uh, overly, like, sensitive here or anything like that, um, but I am, like, a deeply emotional person, people, <laughs> uh, and, you know, I'm not, but, but I'm not like, uh, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, like, I'm not a crybaby, but, man, I felt like crying today when I got the news, like, that's just how relieved I was, I just, that's how much tension I felt leaving my body when I finally got the uh, email from the City's Defense Council that uh, they don't need from me anymore, they don't need a sworn affidavit or a declaration uh, sworn before 
anybody. They are going to accept my word and uh, my consent that I have provided on the documents as sufficient to verify my income with Service Canada. And uh, I asserted that that is what they should have done in the first place uh, because that's what the purpose of the friggin' form is for. They send it to me and ask me to, you know, give my consent to check with government offices to verify the facts that I'm supporting anyway. So how is that, you know, how is that not legally binding? Anyway, that was kind of one of the things that I discussed on the call yesterday in our conference call. And I actually wanted to speak to that a little bit as well because um, typically when I'm going to be in a situation where I'm going to sit down with, like, let's say it was Jen and Gev asking to have a meeting with me and the three other offending de defendants, uh, the other accused parties in my claim, what I would typically do is record that conversation because there are three parties, or four, if you include the lawyer, uh, that would be able to basically state that this was said, and this was said, and this was said, and if I'm, if, if it's like the word of four people against me, I'm going to look pretty foolish in a court of law, especially if they try to claim that things that weren't said were said, or understandings that were made were not made, that sort of thing, and so I would <clears throat> always advise somebody to record you can tell them or you can not tell them i mean if you think that they're not going to allow you to and you have to absolutely go to a meeting then then record it secretly and let them sue you for it afterward if that's what they want to do but you can you can assert that you didn't have anybody there as your defense and that in your own defense to make sure that you had a accurate record of the minutes of the meeting as long as you're not using what you're recording to try and slander people or make them look bad or whatever there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing it. You, uh, you have a record. You, you have a right to have a record of everything that transpires between you and another party, especially in a matter of litigation. And that's what I'm in right now. So I'm saying all of that because I didn't record my meeting with Genevieve yesterday. If I were going to, I would have advised her. I'm not going to record her secretly if it's a one-on-one -on -one meeting. That's just not honorable. Uh... But if she said, no, I don't consent to that, I would have said, well, I'm sorry, but I'm going to do it anyway. Otherwise, this meeting is not going to happen because I need a record for, you know, I need a record of what's transpiring here. And if somebody were to go to a court and say, yeah, you know what, the meeting didn't happen because he wanted to record what was being said and I wasn't okay with that, who's that going to look bad on? Me? No, it's going to look bad on them because it's going to look like they had something to hide that they weren't willing to state on, on record. So... You know, trust your instincts on that kind of stuff. Um, in Canada, uh, I, I don't know if it's the same is true everywhere. I believe in the United States, if you're recording somebody, you, you, they have a statute or something that states that you must let them know. Um, I don't believe that exists in Canada. But again, I'm not a lawyer. I don't pretend to understand the commercial fiction. So, you know, uh, do your own research with regards to that because it's probably going to be this, like slightly different depending on your jurisdiction and like Ontario might even be different from BC for example so just because you're in the same country doesn't necessarily mean the same thing states have different laws in the United States um, so there's you know all of that stuff to consider anyway uh, so yeah the biggest news I'm getting a letter of an entitlement in the mail soon 
that guarantees that my uh, rent is paid for the next year. So that's a load off my mind. And, you know, one of the very first things I said when this thing first happened on, like, June 8th or whatever, I told, I, I wrote on my blog that uh, I legitimately believed they were trying to sabotage my housing. And, uh, and you know, it was something that I was very, very hesitant even to tell my mother about because, you know, my mother and I are on very, very good terms with each other. She lives in Guelph, which is roughly five-hour drive away from here, so I don't get to see my family very much. And really, unfortunately, because of the estate thing, uh, my mother's really the only one I'm still talking to. My brother and sister are still upset. Uh, my sister, I don't really care. We've never really spoken our entire life. But, uh, you know, my brother and I used to literally be like best friends as well as brothers. And, uh, you know, over the last 10 years, we've drifted. But, you know, now we're like severed, it seems. Uh, I even reached out to him roughly a month ago, I think now, and just said, you know, like, I can't apologize to you for anything I did regarding Dad's estate because it's not a real apology if I would do it all again, and I would. Uh, you know, my determination is to honor Dad and to save the estate and the property, and that's what I've done. So, you know, if you're not going to talk to me because I bring that up once in a while, then, you know, too bad, so sad. I guess you're going to let that stand in the way of a great relationship between two brothers. But the fact of the matter is that property is now mine, legally and lawfully. There's no way that the law firm is going to come after me and try and, you know, like, they're just... They're just going to look more and more stupid the longer they wait to bring it into court. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they're trying to do the same thing as the city of Ottawa, potentially. It's just like hope that I don't ever file into the courts against them. And uh, I can pretty much guarantee you they are going to be watching this very closely, too, because... You know, I sent them some of the documents that I've received from the Attorney General's office and some of the documents that I filed into the Superior Court, and of course they don't respond to them. But I'm sure that when they see them, they're just like, oh my god, what is this? Like, you know, it's not every day that somebody's sending you documents that, you know, had the Attorney General's seal on it or whatever. So, that are asserting that I'm a king, basically. You know, that that was the main point is, is I'm just like, you know, you, you can try and argue in court that I'm not this or I'm not that if you want, but look, this is what the Attorney General has to say, this is what the Registrar General has to say, you're liable to me, and they don't, they don't respond, they're just like, they got nothing to say. So, um, with them especially, it's even worse than it is with uh, the situation with Housing Services, because the actual statement of discharge that they sent to me they literally made it out to King Sean, House of Unden, dear King Sean, you know, how are you going to stand in a court of law and say that you didn't know that's who I was, or that's not what I was acting as, or doing business as? You can't. You've already, it's already been clearly established. I, I set up all the parameters of what it means and why you must address me this way, and they complied. So that's a tacit agreement, and, and that's shown by the contract itself, and you know, any court is going to know that a king has the right to, to create his own coin. That's what a king does. So, uh, you know, discharging that statement, they may not have realized the implications of what they were doing when they sent that to me. That's very much what I anticipate. But that's why it is a 100% legal and lawful bill of exchange. No court justice is ever going to dispute it. And now I can kind of stand on these things a little bit more like every like every little scenario like this 
you know, works to my favor. I can't tell you that I had great confidence that this wasn't going to be dismissed as frivolous and vexatious. Like, I really didn't know. But I was speaking just the other day about the power of a publication, okay? And I do have a list of, you know, Canadian officials God is officially displeased with. And uh, there's two justices on that list. Do you really think that any other justice or any other individual in government wants to come forward knowing that everything they do is going to be published on the record? If they don't have a good grounds to dismiss it, do you think they want that on the public record? You know, everybody tells me, oh, no, nobody cares because there's not enough people reading it. You know, if you had a million followers or something, maybe then people would care. No, that's not what it's about. Because I might have a million followers one day. And they understand that. They understand that this is like a permanent record. And that it's going to be harmful for them. And that they can't remove it unless they actually dispute those points with me in court. So that's, you know, that's what it comes down to. Anybody wants to actually have those notices removed, they literally have to sue me for defamation and say that those things are harmful to them. And maybe they are. But if they're true and they haven't paid me or, you know, made amends with me, then that's why they're out there, because they're harming me and they haven't made good on the harm that they've done to me, so those notices stand on the record to cause harm to their reputation until they make good. That's really the, the, the function, if you will, of the public notices. I wish that I didn't have to have a dollar figure associated, for example, with Shoppers Drug Mart. But Shoppers Drug Mart's a great example because it's a corporation. There is no one individual to hold accountable except for the manager that was on duty that day. They don't want to provide that name for me. I can't force or compel anybody to give me that information. I can only complain to head office about it. And because they withheld that information, they become what's called vicariously liable because now they are responsible for withholding information from me. That And, and so they... They must assume liability in his place. Um, yeah, I'm not going to get into that right now because, uh, again, I'm not going to file a statement of claim against them unless I'm harassed in their store again. But it's weird because I really do feel like maybe something is going on behind the scenes here in Ottawa because uh, this is a really, really good start. Um, the letter came from the, uh, Attorney Gen the Ministry of the Attorney General Superior Courts of Ontario. And uh, I can't remember the name on the file right now, but uh, I will include a link to the blog post that speaks of it, and you can take a look at it there. But it asserts what I have been suggesting before, is that, you know, there's a lot of dishonorable representatives of Canada's government, but the offices themselves in Canada have never disputed what I'm doing or what I'm saying. And my belief was that if any court justice looks at my statement of claim and legitimately gives it a read over, they're going to know and understand very quickly that absolutely every point I've made is good. It's in, you know, and it's not just good. It's, it's in compliance with the rules of civil procedure. It's in compliance with uh, uh, the proper format for how a statement of claim should be put together. And I even discussed that on the call with Genviev, and I could tell that she asserted that too. Like I, like I said, I could tell that she was very nervous. Uh, you know, it, like it's not her that's going to take the fall 
So she's not as nervous as Housing Services is, but I could tell that she's like basically, you know, asking for mercy in a weird way. Like, look, this is what I've done because this is what the city asked me to do. And without saying it, she was telling me that I don't think it's going to be passed. Will you consider removing their names if we are compelled to respond to this? And I said yes. Now, since I got the email from uh, the Attorney General today stating that they... Uh, basically, it states that uh, in accordance with the rules of civil procedure, uh, the defendants have the right to file a motion uh, and you will have an opportunity to defend that motion and present your materials to the court. Something to that effect. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, because it's not in front of me. Um, but that's exactly how it should go. So if they want to... So what the court is saying is that on the face of it... Now, this is relevant, okay? Because... Uh, what they mean is that by just looking at the substance of the claim itself without any additional information, is it a frivolous and vexatious complaint? I asserted that absolutely no, it's not, and, I, and I'm asserting why within the first one or two points, uh, because, you know, the Superior Court of Ontario has the inherent jurisdiction to hear matters relating to violations of the Canadian Charter of Rights, and then, the, you know, the next point after that is asserting the same thing about violations with respect to the UN Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, and has the power to provide remedy for trespasses upon those rights. Those are both 100% true statements, and any court justice or the registrar is going to know that. So, you know, immediately they're going to look at it and go, well, no. <laughs> no, those are genuine, and uh, it, were, were trespasses done? And, you know, if you just read through the claim, there's a whole lot of trespasses done, and they're pretty serious. So it would be awfully big and potentially damning to the registrar, to the courts of Ontario, to be publishing on the public record that, yeah, they think that, you know what, holding someone in bondage and slavery is a frivolous and vexatious complaint. Because that's what it states in my claim, that holding a man in bondage and servitude to the state is a form of bondage, and bondage is a very serious international crime against humanity. You know, they can't ignore any of the arguments that I'm making in my claim unless they have reason to. And so that's what's being compelled to happen now. Uh, you know, defense counsel could potentially still try and file a motion to dismiss as frivolous and vexatious, but this time, because it's already been determined that it is not frivolous and vexatious on its face, they have to substantiate that now. So now, that means that they've got to present their arguments asserting why it's a frivolous and vexatious complaint. And I have an opportunity to present my arguments to that. We both get to take our information to a justice. Nothing's going to be happening behind closed doors. It will probably be on conference call because of the whole coronavirus thing. That's what I imagine will happen. Um, but that's better for me because I don't have to like go down to the courthouse and deal with all that mask nonsense. So... <laughs> it's really just made it so that my office actually feels like more of an office. I can go to court without leaving my house. So, um, you know, there, there's a lot of kind of good stuff that's, like, a lot of actually good stuff has happened for me as a result of the coronavirus with respect to law. Um, just to give you an idea of some of the most critical is that uh, under the Emergency Measures Act, 
now, if you're uh, swearing an affidavit, it does not need to be notarized. You can actually just write an affidavit, and it is considered to be a true and, like, yeah, it, it has the weight of an affidavit that was already notarized, so long as you are willing to swear it to be true in front of a court justice on a conference call, you know, in front of the court. And that's what I said to Genevieve yesterday. I said, like, every single thing that I've put in that claim, I will swear onto the court of record as, a, as an affidavit of facts. And I have the right to tell you that without having to go and have it notarized. And as long as I'm willing to attest to these facts in front of a justice, you have to accept it as an affidavit of facts. And she was good with that. That's why she went back to Housing Services and said, like, no. Uh, he, he asserts that all of this is true and he's willing to swear it on the record, so you're going to accept it. Um, of course, she didn't tell me that's how she, she dealt with it, but I was very, very sure that that was going to be the outcome, that she was just going to go back and tell them, like, no, you're, you're going to approve this now. And they agreed. I'm going to get the entitlement notice soon. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that Canada as a nation or any of their offices, I think they want to maintain their integrity. Um, so I have suggested before that, you know, Canada's impartial, like it's not an, it's not a people, it's not an individual, right? The, the individuals are impartial. Francois-Philippe Champagne, well, he doesn't know how to respond to my letters, so he's probably feeling a little bit stupid right now. And I'm not kidding, I'm not exaggerating, I'm not joking. I legitimately think that these people do not know how to do their job, that they just get put into that position and, you know, get whatever training is provided to them from the person who's holding that office before. I mentioned this once before, where do they get formal training to learn how a sovereign economy works before they get moved in that, into that position of office? You know, the, the, the Prime Minister of Canada determines that. They shuffle cabinet and put people in different positions. That doesn't necessarily mean they're qualified. You know, anyway, uh, for some other positions it might be a little bit easier for like Minister of, uh, you know, Agriculture or something like that. Uh, you know, I don't know. but. It is incredible to think that a Registrar General or the, the MP holding that position of office doesn't understand what the birth registration is about, doesn't understand how the social programs are set up or how that's connected to the individual, or how to do a forensic audit and accounting for that individual so that the individual can pay back their share of Canada's debt and manage their life independently and privately, which every single one of us have the right to do. So. When I come forward and I start making these arguments and explaining how it's supposed to work, and I did do that a little bit with Genevieve on the call yesterday, I just said, like, does anybody in this country, do you think, understand how a sovereign economy works? I mean, I know Rocco Galati does because he tried to take out the, the Canadian bank a few years ago and, and they dismissed his case as frivolous and vexatious. And let's face it, Rocco Galati is, you know, a rights advocate. He's been working with constitutional law for a very, very long time. He knows what he's doing. So... You know, that's typically their response when they don't want to have to answer to something. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> this is becoming like an international issue. I do have an international following on my blog. Uh, just to give you an idea, like this year alone, I have already had more than 100 different countries of the world read my blog. So I don't know who, of course, from these countries is reading my blog. Um, but that's very encouraging uh, because a lot of the time what happens, and this is why I say that I feel I have, you know, powerful secret friends maybe somewhere hidden in the universe, 
I don't know that. I just believe it. Um, but, it, you know, there's little clues that I don't believe in coincidences. So when, you know, <laughs> when I write one of my most powerful posts, like today, within five minutes after publishing that, you know, defense was ordered to basically respond to this in accordance with the rules of civil procedure, immediately, you know, I, I have, like, a whole bunch of new views from, like, 10, 12 different other countries. And it's like all of these world leaders are just finding out what the hell's going on, what am I doing, wow, okay. So, you know, like, I know the world is watching, or I know that there's people in the world watching, and I'm very excited now because that, uh, yeah, I didn't talk about my dream about the shoes yesterday on my podcast, but I did on my blog, and it, it's so weird because I almost never dream, well, Apparently we dream every night, but I'm one of those people who, I don't remember them if I do most of the time. Uh, I've had two, well, three very memorable dreams this year, uh, and the most recent was on Thursday night, just last night. Well, yeah, no, la oh, well, sorry. Momento. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, sorry about that. Uh, that was uh, my neighbor, actually, I guess, just taking out some trash and asked me how I was doing, and so I just randomly stopped the recording so I could, you know, exchange pleasantries and continue. Um, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> this is, like, very, very exciting because it's showtime for me. That's really what it means, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I am not joking when I tell you that they have, like, gone to great lengths to keep me from speaking in court, uh, you know, defending against my own criminal charges. Uh, you know, I was so looking forward to my day in court just so that I could bring some of these issues up. And I, I believe that they know, they, they know how well-versed I am on this stuff, and that's what they wanted to avoid. So they just withdrew all the charges without letting me know, and I was never compensated for any of it. Uh, for any of the harm that was done for the unlawful arrest, and that should be legitimately automatic. So, you know, that's another disadvantage to not getting to go to trial, is that if it is determined at trial that, you know, all the charges are, are you know, whatever, garbage, uh, then I can ask right in that moment for the justice to reward me damages. Um, and generally, I don't know, they've got like different provisions for how much it is for different things, but it would be according to their codes and statutes and stuff like that, but there's a certain amount you're allowed to claim if you are wrongfully arrested and whatever. Anybody who's harmed, you know, is entitled to compensation. I've never been compensated, and that's another reason why it would have really, really bothered me if this was also thrown out as frivolous and vexatious, because it's not like I'm continually follow, uh, filing things so that I can, you know, take advantage of people and get rich. I've never even had a day in court. It's usually for people who've already, you know, presented all of their information to the court, the court ruled against them for whatever reason, and then they try to go after the same thing in a different way. So, you know, maybe instead of the corporation, they go after an individual, or maybe they'll even go after the individual's lawyer. Maybe they'll even go after their own lawyer and say that their own lawyer didn't defend them well enough or whatever. Like, that's what frivolous and vexatious stuff is about. Or 
about just having a ridiculously baseless claim. Um, you know, uh, I can't think of one right now, but, you know, um, like if you hurt yourself and try to blame somebody else, like that, that's a frivolous and vexatious complaint, right? You're just trying to milk somebody else and, and, and whatever. So <clears throat> I'm glad that they didn't do that. Um, I think it speaks volumes to Canada's justice system. I think it speaks volumes to my potential to reflect Canada's system of law more favorably. And probably most importantly is that uh, court is all about setting precedents. So, you know, we've got Ontario Works over there who are on notice of criminal liability as well. And, you know, I know very well that they would basically try the same angle. Oh, yeah, we'll just dismiss it as frivolous and vexatious and, you know, da-da-da-da-da. And now they're seeing that that's not happening with housing services and I'm asking for $210,800. They're probably, you know, believe me, they're taking notice as well. So... I anticipate I'm probably not going to get too many more problems from government service representatives, at least in the meantime, while this court case is going on. Uh, I have no reason at this point in time to have any communications with housing services until at least renewal time next year, so that's good news. Um, I do potentially want to look into something with uh, Ontario Works, but I'll talk about that on another podcast. So. What were some of the other things I wanted to say? Okay, I'm going to provide some links here that provide for the Rule 2.1.01 and 2.1.016, which are uh, the right of any party to appeal to the register to ask to have a case dismissed as frivolous and vexatious. So any party does have the right to appeal to the court registrar, as Genevieve did, to ask that a case be dismissed as frivolous and vexatious. However, what they didn't tell me before, and this is paramount because I believed this to be true before, but I didn't actually, you know, people wanted me to file an appeal and, and said that I was like wrong done in like a hundred ways to sunset, that there was, you know, so many different grounds that I could have used for appeal. And I just said that I didn't want to do that because as far as I was concerned, that is the official statement from the office. That's how I regard it. It wasn't an individual. This was like somehow the collective decided that, no, they were going to appoint a justice that was going to, you know, do this motion and make sure that it, I didn't get to have my day in court on this matter. And the other thing I want to mention about that is that I actually believe, and somebody mentioned this to me before, so that's part of the reason that I have this belief, but someone told me that uh, the Salvation Army itself, as an organization, is, like, immensely powerful. And if you ever try to bring anything up against the Salvation Army because they consider themselves to be a charity and a spiritual organization and blah, 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 they will, under no circumstances, let anybody tarnish their name. And so uh, I think it was more done to protect the Salvation Army than it was to protect the city of Ottawa. That's my belief. And I, w I didn't want to say anything like that before because I hadn't had any proof. But now, seeing that, like, the courts know that it's the city of Ottawa that's on the hook for this, 
and they're not protecting the city of Ottawa. They're saying, no, the city of Ottawa, you got to respond. And you got to follow the rules of civil procedure. Oh, yeah, what I didn't mention is that, yes, you can appeal to the court to have it dis uh, dismissed as frivolous and vexatious. You cannot do so without advising the other parties that you are going to do so. Okay? Otherwise, you are violating the rules of the court. You are not allowed to have private communication with the court registrar or the justice without the consent of the other parties. Okay, so that's what they did last time. I told you that Genevieve told me that she'd contacted the whatever. She didn't ask me my, for my permission, and she's supposed to do that ahead of time. She's supposed to get my consent before she writes the justice. So I believe that may be one of the other reasons that the motion was not granted, because when I responded to that justice, it would have been apparent when I'm writing my letter in opposition that I didn't agree to this motion and I didn't give consent for her to privately speak to the court. And so she's violating the rules. Now, I'm not going to give her hell for that because the justice did what it should, which is like, no, <laughs> you, don't get to, you don't get to argue this here. Okay, it's not frivolous on its face. That's what we've decided. You want a motion? File a motion and prove your points on that matter? You're more than welcome to do so, but he has a right to defend. And that's basically what they told me. So that's all I was asking for. And... Yeah, now we get to see what Defense Council is going to say in response to their obligations to the UNCCPR, their obligations to uh, the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, what they're going to say with respect to basically uh, failing to release me from any presumptions that I am bound to this state and the money that Canada is borrowing from foreign central banks. And... Uh, yeah, when I was talking about that with Genevieve yesterday, you should have just seen her face because I don't think... I mean, I know she knows that I am a formidable adversary. I just know by the way that she speaks with me and by the, the level of respect that she gives to me. Um, so, you know... I, I I can't blame her for what she did last time because she did explain like it's almost like she was like look forgive me for what I've done okay but like I don't I don't decide what to do I am like paid by the city so I do whatever the city tells me to do and last time I just did what they told me to do and uh, you know now I would say to her because I didn't learn this information about like it states right in the rules of civil procedure that in order to contact the justice privately you need to let the other parties know that's like one or two rules before the one that she implied. Uh, so, you know, if I'd known that, I would have said that to her. But I do now, and I'm telling you so that you know it. If uh, anybody ever tries to blindside you in a court case, that may be grounds for an appeal, because you absolutely do have a chance to defend against any motion a person is going to, you know, bring before the court even if it's for frivolous and vexatious. There's there's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't be... Well, unless, like I said, the court decides. There, there is a provision that, you know, if you file a claim and, and it's received by the registrar and they just kind of look at the, the claim itself and, and realize that it's an absolutely ridiculous claim, um, you know, like, you know, Lucy borrowed a dollar off me in grade four and uh, we agreed to 100% uh, interest over the next 25 years, and, uh, you know, she hasn't contacted me or paid me back since, and now she owes me X number of dollars. The justice is going to look at that and be like, are you kidding me? <laughs> there is a good frivolous, you know. So that would just be thrown out on its face. Like, 
you know, defense counsel wouldn't even need to respond to that. They would just be like, no, this is ridiculous. Um, yeah. Uh, can you tell how excited I am? Like, honestly, oh, that's the other thing I wanted to say. So, like, yeah, I was talking about, the, you know, full moon magic last night. Like, right after I did my podcast last night, I... I decided to check my moon calendar on my phone, and it was illumination 100%. You know, I don't know how many minutes it's at 100%, but it's not long. Like, you know, it's only like a span of maybe 5-10 minutes or something that the moon is actually at 100% capacity. So, it just happened, no coincidences, that I looked at it at the right time. I felt like everything was magical, and that was when I decided to write my last letter to the court registrar. Um, advising the registrar that I had made an agreement with counsel to remove the name defendants. I thought that would help to work in my favor. I don't know if that had anything, any bearing on what happened today. But, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm getting to go to court. And uh, that is very, very, very exciting. Um, so, and one other thing I am going to tell you is that I will be recording my minutes in court. Uh... I have the right to do that, and I'm probably not going to tell anybody, because you know what? It is presumed that all uh, civil cases in Canada are public, are matters of public interest, unless it is a private proceeding. So uh, there's absolutely no reason that I am not allowed to record what transpires at court and make it available for the public record. So I am going to be doing that. And what else? Oh yeah, so the timing starts again too. Uh, the request to the justice basically puts the 20-day uh, time limit to respond on hold. And I looked at how you calculate that into the 20 days. And uh, I think it states that it starts on the first day that that motion is filed. So I think that was the 22nd and then we got the reply today. So that would be the 25th. So I think they have an additional three days from the time that I filed now to respond to the claim because that time does not count against them. That's like dead time. They put that time aside. Now they've made their decision. No, you have to respond. So now they've got the remaining X number of days. So whatever it is, um, the city will not go into default. I will tell you that much. Uh, they are organized enough that they are going to adhere to all of the timelines and be sure that they do not go into default. They may reach out to me and bargain with me. I'm not removing the named defendants from the claim right this second. And uh, I said that I would the moment I find out that defense is compelled to respond. But the only reason that I'm not is because they may still file the motion for frivolous and vexatious. And if they do, then what I want to do is, is forward to Genevieve or present to the court the agreement that Genevieve and I have to remove the name defendants and you know that shows again that I'm not frivolous and vexatious that I'm not you know I'm not after blood uh, I just I just want them to stop trespassing upon me so I have already told counsel that I will remove their names but I want them to respond to this complaint so if, if they are you know I'm gonna hold that as my grounds for it not being dismissed as frivolous and vexatious in the event that I am compelled to defend against that motion um if yeah if genevieve says no no, no we're uh we're going to prepare a statement of defense um that would be the next thing that i would expect to receive is that yes we intend to respond to this 
blah, 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 blah. So uh, that would potentially give them another 10 days. That might be the other route that they go. And, you know, I'm presuming that if that is the route that she goes, she will reach out to me and say, so, you know, are you still willing to remove those names from the statement of claim? And I'll say, absolutely, uh, but I'm going to do it at your cost. You know, if, I have to, if there's a filing fee for making amendments to the claim, I've already stated what you can name, what, what those named defendants can be changed to. In every instance where there's a named defendant, you can switch it to the city of Ottawa and accept full liability in their stead. And, uh, you know, you can, you can Google Doc that to me and I will sign off on it. And, uh, yeah, and you, you can present or I will present the uh, amendment to the court, but you're going to pay the fees. <laughs> so... Um, even though I can discharge my fees and all of my court fees are paid for as a result of the waiver, I've got a form that allows me to pay for whatever I need to do or defend against from them, but that's their request, so it should be their expense. So, there, you know, I don't know what's involved with amending a claim, I would have to look into that, but I know it's another filing and another motion and whatever, and yeah, I would have to change all of those statements and then... I don't know. I don't know if they get a new seal on the new document, if it's a new docket that, you know, because that's what they're going to want. <laughs> they're going to, like, want it to appear as though their names were never on it. So, um, I'm going to honor that, you know, on my blog as well. Uh, you know, once it's removed in the claim, it'll be removed everywhere. So, yeah. Um, and if they don't intend to file for a motion to dismiss as frivolous and vexatious, then that's what I anticipate will be coming next. Uh, oh yeah, and the other reason that it's fabulous is I've told you before that one of the uh, YouTube channels that I like to watch is a man called Viva Fry, uh, and he quit being a lawyer, and uh, he basically talks just about how it's just such a sleazy business, and what lawyers love to do is give people bad news right at the end of a Friday. Well, the letter to me, my email came at 4.05 today saying, no, 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 they're going to have to respond and file a motion if they wish. And uh, they also advised me, by the way, that there, no motions have been filed at this time. They said, you know, no, uh, defense counsel will be required to file a motion in accordance with the rules of civil procedure, at which point you will have a chance to defend. No motions have been filed with the court at this time. You know, yours truly or something. Uh, so... Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just ecstatic. Uh, it's, it's, oh, what was I, uh, there was something about the Friday I was going to say. Yes. So bad news for housing services to get this news at 4.05 PM on a Friday afternoon. Now the city's legal counsel sometime around then, she probably got the news a little bit before me. Uh, she wasn't CC'd on my letter, so they sent a letter to each of us separately. Uh, but it would have been the same flavor, obviously. They can't tell me one thing and her another. So she had to go back to Housing Services today and say, no, the motion to dismiss as vexatious and frivolous has failed. <laughs> and uh, if Housing Services were scared before, you can bet your ass they're a little bit even more scared now because now they know that it's not frivolous on its face. The court's taken this seriously. They have to defend. Life is good, ladies and gentlemen. Um, 
and the dream was about my fancy flu bogs. See, I get distracted. I know I was going to tell you about my shoes. I'm wearing them right now, so that's what helped me to remember before I sign off on this call. But dreams about shoes. I knew there was some kind of symbolism there because it was such a vivid dream, and it was like kind of a nothing dream, you know? I just remembered, like, putting on my shoes and, you know, admiring how nice they were, and then I noticed that there was a white stain on the front of one of my spats. And I thought, that that's not right. <laughs> I can't have a white spot on my beautiful shoes. And so I went to a tailor with my shoes on. I didn't take them off. But I went to, like, a tailor, shoeman, <laughs> and a uh, shoemaker, and I told him, like, what, what is going on? Why is there a white spot on these shoes? Like, I didn't pay good money for these shoes so that there could be a white spot on them. And he just laughed and said, there is nothing wrong with your shoes, my friend. And he took a dry cloth and, and you know, <laughs> briefly, you know, uh, shined the, sh the, the front of my shoe. And it was perfect. And I was like, ah. Oh. And he said, yeah, you don't have to worry. These are fabulous shoes. They're going to last you the rest of your life. And that was the last thing I remember from that dream. And then I, like, woke up, and I was like, wow, that's kind of weird, because my I got these shoes for court. So I had a very big feeling, uh, especially after I looked into the dream interpretation, and it basically says that shoes that you've worn for an occasion, if you're getting them fixed or getting them shined or whatever, it basically means that um, that you're on a, you're on your way to a new path, and you're very, very concerned um, about making a good first impression. So I thought, yeah, okay, you know what, that's, that's true. So, and a lasting impression. Remember, a shoe uh, print, or sorry, a footprint is a last. So, you know, there's some symbolism there about making a lasting impression as well as a first impression. So... I feel that I've done that. I feel like the courts are taking me seriously, and they're saying, no, 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 you're not going to keep gaslighting this dude. You're going to let him have his day in court. So that's my fabulous news for this Friday. Thank you all so much for being here. I hope you're liking the ambiance and the rain. Can you hear it? It's such a beautiful night out here. Um, and, yeah, I'm like a completely new man today. Really, I am. And uh, looking forward to lots of good stuff to share with you over the next little while. So thanks very much for being here. Love you all. Have a great night. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's my show for today. I'm just quickly finishing up inside at the desktop here. Uh, thanks again for being here. You make it all worthwhile. And uh, I don't know, it feels especially powerful to be sharing all of this with you because you know how much stress I've been going through over the last little while. I have told you that this is not an easy thing to do, and, uh, you know, you, you want to create and make your own way in the world as a, you know, sovereign individual under God. You know, you got your work cut out for you, and you better have a good reason for doing it, uh, because uh, this is just a very, well, this is actually a very big example of, you know, what kind of things you might be subject to, but I sincerely and legitimately believe these were genuine attacks upon me, and uh, the intent was just to basically prove that everything I've done means nothing, and uh, that has now just been stopped in its tracks. So that's a very, very good thing. Um, and 
I can tell you 100% for sure that regardless what happens from this point forward, today's decision is monumental with respect to the message that it's going to be sending to the government agencies that I'm currently engaged with. Uh, they're all going to know from this point forward that I'm not a joke and they better get their ass in gear and start, you know, taking me a little bit more seriously. So thanks so much for being here. I hope you're all having a fabulous week and have, you know, even more importantly, have a fabulous weekend. I love you all. Ciao for now.